welcome to Global Leader Radio. I am Lee Cantor, and I am joined in the studio with the host of Global Leader Radio, Alvin Miles, who is also the Director of Business Development for the Executive MBA Program at Kennesaw State University. Welcome, Alvin. Hello, Lee. How are you today? I am doing awesome. Did you have a good weekend? I think I did. It was sun was shining. It was nice and uh, warm, and even got uh, only nine holes in this weekend. Nine? <laughs> only nine. Sorry to hear about that. (laughs) (laughs) But things get better from there. All right. So I'm excited. This is the inaugural show of uh, Global Leader Radio. You want to tell our listeners what exactly we're trying to accomplish on this show? Yeah. Global Leader Radio focuses on uh, looking at leadership from all aspects with a particular focus on the high potential leader. Uh, What it takes to be able to cultivate, identify, Uh, everything around what that leader would need to support them, including financial support from their companies, et cetera. Um, And so with that, today, we actually have two folks from the Intersect group, and uh, we have David Lee and Tina Simpson. So uh, would you like to start by telling us a little bit about uh, you, David? Sure, just a a bit of my background. Uh, You know, I'm originally from the Northeast um, started working at Arthur Anderson in Philadelphia when I graduated, um, and then was the corporate accounting manager for Aramark in Philadelphia. Uh, ended up going back to get my MBA full-time at the University of Notre Dame, and ended up down here in Atlanta uh, because uh, they recruited me uh, to the uh, Home Depot leadership program at the time, which was a post-MBA program. Mm. And I was there for about four years and really wanted to do something more entrepreneurial, wanted to work for uh, you know, a, a faster, more um, energetic environment and really tried to, to move towards the smaller space. And that's where I, you know, came in contact with the Intersect Group. So I've been, uh, you know, with our company for two years now uh, and, uh, you know, originally was brought on as the corporate controller in 2010 and um, the VP of Finance and Shared Services now. Um, and so, that, you know, uh, my area includes, you know, finance and accounting, HR, uh, IT, and, uh, you know, office administrative functions. Well, fantastic, and welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having and, us. And next we have uh, the lovely Tina. Hello. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm a native of Tennessee, so you'll get that out of my wonderful accent here this <laughs> afternoon. Um, have been in the HR arena now for about 22 years. Um, it's one of those things I just kind of slipped upon into a career, but um, started off in a healthcare uh, focus and um, about 10 years ago moved more toward the manufacturing side. And relocated from Tennessee here to Atlanta and very quickly realized that uh, to really develop as a leadership, my education was going to need to take a shift. And so decided a few years ago to go back to Kennesaw State and receive my undergraduate degree. And then um, in September of 2010, uh, went back yet again to Kennesaw State into the executive MBA program and just graduated in May with that. Uh, but during that time, uh, while I was working for an international organization in regional HR, decided that, kind of like David, I was ready to take another direction with my career. And um, the Intersect Group is a very fast-growing, fast-paced organization that I saw a lot of opportunities to really excel in not only HR, but a lot of things that I was taking away from my educational program. So I chose in October of last year to make that shift, and now I'm with the Intersect Group. Oh, great. So what I'm hearing, Lee, is that uh, the Intersect Group is fast and small enough to uh, to make a difference. That's right. They, and they seem very nimble. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you guys do on a regular basis? How do you serve your clients at the Intersect Group? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, sure. So, I mean, on a, on a day-to-day basis, the, the biggest thing, especially for us this year, um, 
from my perspective in in managing our shared services team is really um, preparing ourselves for that growth that you just talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our company over the last um, six years, and it's only just was founded in 2006, has run at a 56% CAGR. Um, last year, we grew at 65% alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that comes significant challenges, as you would imagine, in terms of the underlying structure of the business, in, in terms of uh, what our systems are, what our underlying processes are, um, who we hire, and how do we build that out. Because the most important thing for us is that you know, while we're continuing to sell and grow, we also need to make sure that we have the infrastructure to keep up with it so we don't just collapse underneath our own growth. Capacity is important. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and not just about for this year, but continually to be ahead of the game. And, th- and that's really why we aren't seeing those issues this year, because we were had the foresight last year and the year before to continually know that we aren't going to be doing things the same every year, right? And so, you know, Tina can, can tell you this because she's, she's with me on this, you know, through every step of the way. We just spent a significant amount of time trying to understand, okay, we're, we're fine with where we are right now, but that's not the goal, right? And, okay. and trying to understand what are our, all of our underlying systems and processes to get us to the next level, knowing that the growth is going to continue over the next few years, um, to the point of where this becomes the national model that we're forecasting and believing is going to happen. That's a great response. So when you talk about the national model, that that kind of suggests to me perhaps that um, national is where you'll stay, or are you thinking about maybe a bit of international expansion? I think anything's on the table okay. you know, at, at this point. Right now our focus is, so we um, were founded as a company in Atlanta. Um, two years ago we opened a Chicago office, and last year we opened a Dallas office. Um, with the plan of continuing to open more offices along the way. Our initial growth that we're forecasting is is there's so much market share opportunity here in the United States um, that once we really solidify the model, you know, here in Atlanta to launch that into new offices. Yeah. Um, so that's that's really, you know, the, the next step is, is going to be in, in new markets that are attractive for our space. Well, great. Thank you, David. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell you, uh, Tina, you're obviously doing something right. Most definitely. Yeah, because we ran across you the other day at Atlanta's Best and Brightest Companies to Work For, where you won an award. Can you tell us a little bit about that? We did. Um, And I like to say it's not the first award that we received as an organization, but this was a a program that we were actually nominated by one of our employees and felt that we had the characteristics needed to win this. And it was a, a process of answering multiple questions that were really focused toward what we do for our employees and how our employees feel about that. Um, and along with questionnaire, the employees had the opportunity to complete a questionnaire on top of it and survey um, to support what we were saying. And I think that's a key to where we have been and where we're going is the company and who we are and what we stand for, our culture, and that we look for in our leaders to take us to that next step in that culture. So um, as we're growing, we're going to continue to look for those who, um, who support the vision in the mission that we have as an organization, but had that leadership bandwidth and uh, knowledge that we're looking forward that, as David was saying, the last few uh, weeks, he and I in particular have been forecasting out the next uh, few years, what are our needs going to be structurally uh, as far as uh, from the IT side and the, all those supports, but to get those people who have that vision, have that uh, vision and drive to help us continue to grow over the, the upcoming years. Oh, and that's, that's super important. So when I when I looked uh, across the website and also talking with you directly, of course, you talked about both having a master's degree. So how has your master's degree helped you in your career? Well, I, I think for me, just coming out of the EMBA program at KSU, um, it's not your traditional 
or MBA program per se is really focused on the leadership side and hence was part of the reason why I chose that and um, I feel like the skills uh, and I, I've told a lot of people yes you learn a lot about finance and accounting and all those hard skills but the soft skills in leadership development and how to be an effective leader how to build your team how to collaborate with other teams uh, were such a positive influence on me and truly if I had not had that MBA and that education I don't feel like I would be the leader that I am today mm. so I think it's um, I definitely support anyone going back to receive that and especially if you are wanting to grow within an organization the skills that you will receive are uh, they're invaluable there's just no uh, monetary value that you can put on that not only from the individual but the company's perspective now, so you have to get that that tangible piece right exactly and you also have the intangibles exactly now, part of your firm, uh, you guys do consulting, but you also do staffing, right? Is that the intersect? Is that what that refers to? The intersection of those? Um, yeah. Well, typically, we was? consider it the intersection of uh, of IT and finance and accounting. Uh-huh. Um, but the but yes, we're we're both a staffing and consulting firm, which is a little different than a lot of our competitors. Right. I would imagine, and and so, but that being said, leadership you said was an important component of your um, kind of your the intersect group as a whole, but. Is it important when you're uh, doing the recruiting? Like, how important is it to recruit people with good leadership skills? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's extremely important for us because um, an important part of our growth has been promoting from within. Most of our, our managers and the leaders of our company were in different roles earlier in their career, right? And so mm-hmm. even in the few times that we have gone to the outside, we've really made a, a conscientious effort to make sure that everybody internally had an opportunity to try to grow into those roles. And because we have that mentality, you know, leadership development is huge because we're not going to grow, right, if we don't find a way to, to really um, put an emphasis on the development of our people at all levels, not just um, at the existing leader level. Um, part of the thing that's exciting about how fast our company's grown is that it's created a lot of roles that, that by its nature didn't exist before. So right. it's, it's really creating careers for a lot of different people, myself included. Um, and so, you know, because of that um, – Unlike other companies, if you're a little bit more static where you can kind of rely on the same teams of people, we can't, right? Because, um, you know, next year is going to the, – the, the, the growth, you know, in revenue and in cities, um, there's so many moving parts to it that um, for us to be able to find great talent here in Atlanta, for example, and, and launch them into new offices or find great talent here in Atlanta and allow them to, to try new lines of business with us mm-hmm. um, is just vital to the success of our company. So what you're saying basically is that the leaders uh, of tomorrow are actually the learners of today. Exactly. When you bring them into the company. Well, very good. So tell us a little bit about perhaps the job succession planning you have going on in the company perhaps. So you have a, a quantified job succession planning type of uh, formality there? Actually, we're at, um, I like to tell everybody a lot of crossroads right now for us because where our growth has taken us from a very small organization starting in 2006 to now, we're starting to build those uh, platforms, and succession is one thing because we also realize when we are recruiting this talent that it's a talent that we want to keep, but as with any organization, good talent um, is sought after mm. for any organization to be successful. But we are starting to develop a plan now uh, that starts from the day that a pl- uh, an employee comes on board to in- ensure their success from day one and open up doors for them to continue to grow. And then with that, we will continue to develop processes to ensure that they do want to stay with us. But I think as an organization right now, uh, what we bring, what we do, and the opportunities, 
helps us in um, not having that really detailed process yet, but definitely helps us retain the great talent that we have in the organization. That makes sense. So you can any, add any more to that, David? Yeah, I mean, without getting into the, the details, um, we also really looked at, at aligning overall compensation and incentives and evaluations of, of our leaders to put that in line so that it's it's not just a me culture, right, where they're also incentivized by the others that are that are working for them. So, it, you know, it's it's not just a you know something that we talk about. It's something that they'll personally benefit from too, from the success of those that work for them in, in a very tangible way. Well, very good. I also want to circle back to the question I asked earlier. How has your master's degree helped you in your career? Yeah, I mean, I would say you know exactly what Tina was saying. A, a big one for me is really just the networking. I think, um, you know, when you. I'll admit, you know, there's times in my life when I'm working a lot of hours and you get very caught up. We call it the whirlwind of what my, what my to-do list looks like. And so, you know, I think the MBA program was a real opportunity to kind of st- to take a step back and, and take a broader perspective on things and, and, uh, and, and, and do that in a network of people that are from a lot of different industries and a lot of different walks of life. And so, you know, I, I think that kind of mentality stays with you even when you're working because, you know, you know as you can hear from our company, there's always so many moving parts and a lot going on that I think anybody who gets kind of caught up in the, just the to-do list um, would kind of get eaten alive right in our type of industry. So you really need to be – I spend a lot of my time talking not just to people in my network but through some of our partners to really just trying to think through how others in the industry are doing things, how we can get better, um, you know, what is it about us that has worked and, and hasn't worked and, and, and that kind of reflective nature. And I think, you know, I, I think a lot of that, you know, does get fostered through an MBA type program. So I think for, for me, it's a huge benefit. Yeah, very good. Very good. So when you think through, um, you know, the smiles that you had over at the office, when you walk back with the award, again, you mentioned earlier that there, you have several, the mantle must be huge <laughs> and the trophy case must be filled. Um, what specific uh, aspect of this award are you most proud of and why? I think from my perspective, it's the voice of the employees. Uh, they got to speak very loudly about how they feel about the Intersect group. Um, and I know as an, an individual who's a new employee, relatively new employee there, um, a huge factor of attraction for me was the culture. And um, we have an individual, Wade Hughes, as our partner that really leads in his, not only um, in his actions, but in everything he does, the culture that we have there. And it's a very empowering entrepreneurial culture. Um, as, as David was saying, it was a very fast pace. But if you have the drive and the want, um, the the opportunities are unlimited with this organization. And I think when the people spoke, um, they spoke loudly to that. And that um, everything that comes from top down um, is sincere from our partner all the way down to our recruiters, our account managers, anyone who works within the organization. So it, it just spoke very loudly to me that they do believe in what we say and what we do each day. Okay. Now, it seems like uh, language is kind of important. You're choosing to use certain words. Uh, when you say partner, uh, do you look at your relationships with your clients as a partnership? Is that Was that a uh, an accident, or is that how you view your relationships? No, I think absolutely that's true. I, th- I think when, when you, you were asking the question earlier about the different lines of business that, that we're in, which is a little bit more broad than most of our competition, I think all of that really is in spirit of that competition, that rather than uh, one of our clients having to go to multiple firms, or uh, we you know offer a, a fairly wide array of services that can meet their needs. And um, when it comes to that partnership, we don't have to do our delivery isn't cookie cutter every single time. Right. right. And so I think that that's kind of the way our organization is structured is to be able to be flexible and respond to client needs quicker. 
But um, from a business standpoint, I would imagine part of your growth is because of this attitude of partnership rather than a vendor relationship. When you have a partner relationship, it seems like you're more um, integrated into their business. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, that's true. um, Some of our largest um, business partners, and and you're right, I think we try to, to stray away from the term vendor for that exact reason, are some of our best client opportunities. And so... Um, and it's not just in the spirit of, of reciprocal business, but um, really from us learning from each other. Uh, and uh, we've had a few really big wins this year in terms of you know client potential, and a lot of it does have to do with the way that we've worked with them as a partner. Right, it's the relationship. I mean, you were you alluded to it earlier that the deeper the relationships, then the easier it is to serve them, and you're kind of it, it just kind of organically happens. Yeah, I would say very very rarely are, are we doing business on the vendor side with a vendor that isn't already connected to our company, either as a client or uh, through some kind of project before or association. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've and I think it's been a strength for us, right, because we've walked into. Um, a lot of relationships with a lot of prior knowledge and, you know, frankly, you know, when I talked about, you know, some of the success that we're having in terms of business infrastructure, a lot of that has to do with, um, some of these relationships really taking care of us and helping us get to the next level. Right. So when you think through all the things you have to do with your, with your business, uh, certainly you're looking at transformational type of relationships versus just transactional. Mm-hmm. Um, how important is it for both your employees and your candidates to be lifelong learners? I think it's essential because if you look at our business model, um, a lot of our employees will go into assignment for a very short period of time. So uh, although some may be longer, most are on a shorter uh, period. So I think um, the, those individuals having the the desire to learn and try different things is, is essential. Um, now, do we keep them within their same primary focus? Yes, but as we all know, the needs from one organization to the other, even though maybe job titles are the same, the the actual requirements for that position may be a little different. So um, when we look at our consultants, we look at them the exact same way as we do any other employee within the organization. The more you want to learn, uh, the more you want to do, you're just opening more opportunities for yourself, and we totally support that on all levels within our organization. Very good. More? Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, especially given the space that we're in, we, we're not in consulting and staffing on one very specific technical area. It's fairly wide, right? So whether it's um, our salespeople working with clients or our recruiters working with candidates, you know, what they experience on a day-to-day basis is extremely wide. You know, and just being someone that's in the finance and accounting space, I'm, I'm always amazed at, at how many different issues and areas that they have to touch. It's really, really wide. And so um, I think it really is a requirement to be successful. And plus with, you know, with with business constantly changing, um, you know, there, you really can't always rely on knowing just one particular system. You know, it's kind of interesting. I was at one of our um, our uh, our consultant events the other week, and I was, you know, talking to this one consultant about this very topic. He was uh, he just worked specifically on the IBM AS four hundred system, which I hadn't heard about in a long time. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what and, we call legacy, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so he had come to us, and we actually were able to find him a client where they needed some consulting on AS four hundred, and that's where he is today. But we really talked about, you know, how he needs to reinvent himself, how he – and he had been – sounded like, you know, doing this for about 20 years and very, very specific mastery of skills in this one particular area. And here he is, you know, found himself kind of stuck saying, well, there's not a lot of people that want this anymore, and the few that want this consulting are doing it to unwind it, right? Wow. And so, you know, I think, um, you know, where a broad firm like ours comes into play where, where we have, you know, relationships and opportunities where, where there's, a, you know, kind of an array of – 
of um, different solutions that are involved, I think does create a unique um, opportunity, both just for the people working at our company um, and for those that might want to come work for us someday. So is there a specific way that you help them to kind of bridge the gap? For example, this gentleman that actually works on this legacy system, if he wanted to perhaps understand a little bit more about other systems, how would you go about helping him to actually bridge that gap? Send him back to school or have him do some work with other folks that are working in other areas? Or I think there's a, uh, multiple ways that we can do that. Um, I know that we have the resources to be able to give information to our candidates about how to get further education, if you would like. Um, I think there's some job opportunities that may have a little bit of a crossover mm. between a couple of different areas, and uh, I think some of our partners um, are willing to bring in for one specialty and help train. So there's a multitude of ways that, that they can actually go about doing that. Um, and, and that's one thing uh, to kind of piggyback to what David was saying a moment ago that I think is such a key to our success is that our recruiters, our account managers, have relationships with the individuals that we place. And so it's not that it's just a, a name basis. They know a lot about these individuals and take it very seriously in having a very close relationship so that if an assignment ends or they get additional training that we are meeting their needs in addition to meeting the needs of our, our partners as far as our clients. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, I think your point about the crossover is a really important one. And so the conversation that I was having with this individual wasn't so much about it, this particular you know, um, computer, you know, this ledger system that's kind of going away. But so, for example, he also had strong project management skills, right? Because while they were specific to this one application, um, the, you know, working with a firm that has a broad contact base, like Tina said, well, there are, it may not be AS400, but there, we have other project management roles that might be able to play off some of his other skills. And then to help him, you know, still through working with us, try to find other avenues to, to try to continue to grow. Yeah, so Lee, now it all makes sense. So it. it's all connected. They, they all it's uh, it, it is intersecting. It's, it intersects. <laughs> <laughs> so so you've got great engaged employees who've been turned around and nominated you for Atlanta's best and brightest companies to work for, and the cycle continues to be a very virtuous cycle, right? Most definitely. Well, very good. Now, as a as a company uh, that's especially this growing so rapidly. Is being kind of plugged into the community an important component as well? Does that help, like, with the culture of the company? Most definitely. Um, and as a matter of fact, just this year, um, our organization was recognized, um, to be exact, um, we received the Good Neighbor Award uh-huh. for the Safe House Outreach. And um, the one thing that, um, again, top down from our leadership uh, with Mr. Wade Hughes is that uh, we're very fortunate and we're very blessed. And with that, we give back to the organizations. So uh, every year we have one or two outreach organizations that we work with. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think of the other ones, the Boys and Girls Club in particular, we're working with very closely right now. Um, but it doesn't stop with just us. We always are looking at how we can impact the community in a positive way. And then are the employees kind of encouraged to to be active in that area so they can um, kind of suggest to the company where to get involved? Oh, yes. We definitely take the feedback from our employees to hear uh, what's important to them. Right. And actually the organizations that we are involved in came back from recommendations from our employees. Now, David, you mentioned that you come from a big uh, firm prior to the Intersect. How is it from a culture standpoint here than it was at, at these larger firms? Is there an, is it noticeably different? Yeah, absolutely. I think the inclusive nature of our company is, is like nowhere else that I've ever worked. And I think it's a huge part of, you know, I know we're here talking about the best and brightest award, and I think it's a huge part of that. Um, you know, a lot of companies may find their ways to different awards and things like that, but at ours, I've never worked anywhere that um, legitimately put so much effort into understanding 
um, positives and negatives issues of that our employees face, mm. right? And we've done it in a in a you know pretty um, open way, and so um, you know I, I definitely think that regardless of what your role is in the company or or how long you've been with the company, uh, there's a lot of effort at our company to ha- let people have a voice, and, and that really reflects a lot of the direction that we go. Whether it's you know specific things like how we're going to you know structure an award ceremony or broader things about you know a process of how we're doing business. Um, but it's, it, it, I think that's an important part of being happy at work is, is, is being able to have that voice and not just be kind of stuck in a, in a process where you're just, you know, um, kind of a cog. So I, I think at our company, it's, it's, uh, we really exceeded that. Now you, and you think that's the leadership from above that's kind of created this culture that it fosters this kind of, they're hiring the right people and it's kind of, kind of growing upon itself. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination. I think it's the I think the leadership definitely foster it, but at the same time, we've got you know an employee base that are very very successful at, at what they do and very talented, and so you know I think that really helps to drive it also because you're getting really good feedback about you know how how the company should be structured and and how things are going, and so I, I think it's a two way street. I, I wouldn't put it all in leadership. I think it's it's uh, a lot of it has to do with with the type of people that have, have been with our company. So they really are helping to drive the overall success. And also, uh, what, I, what I thought about was really your go-to-market strategy and your differentiation. You talked a lot about that. Um, so for you in the marketplace, you're noticing certainly that you're broader than most. Are there others other than the fact that your people are so engaged? I mean, is that very different than what normally happens in the market? I mean, from what, from what we've – yes, okay. absolutely. In a, I mean, in a sales-based culture – uh, we are definitely a very, very different culture. Okay. I, we would not, um, I, I wouldn't, while we have a lot of people that come from our competitors and large large competition, I, I definitely think everything from, like I was saying earlier about some of the inclusion um, to the to the way um, we interact with each other in meetings, um, to, to the way you know, we kind of celebrate success and things like that, I definitely think it's a, it's a big differentiator. And I think one very unique characteristic about organization is, uh, and David alluded to this a moment ago, is the voice of the employees. Um, and when that voice is spoken, it is heard all, all the way up into the leaders of the organization. And it's taken very seriously. And I know and sometimes people speak and they don't feel like they're heard, but that is one thing that we want to day in and day out ensure that if it's the good, bad, ugly, or indifferent, when it's spoken that someone is listening, it's, t- it's being taken to heart, and there's going to be some type of action based on the voice that was heard. Okay. Well, uh, uh, one of the things that uh, that we want to re- remind our guests of is the fact that since this is Global Leaders Radio, and you are Global Leaders, I know for certain you are, <laughs> because, uh, Tina, you've actually uh, enjoyed a little bit of an international residency in a foreign country, correct? I did do that, yes, sir. Okay. And so, David, you, uh, did you enjoy uh, going to a foreign country when you uh, pursued your MBA? Uh, I did. I spent a little bit of time in China okay. when Tell I was there. Tell us a little bit about that. Experience? I, yeah, I mean, well, it was great for me. So we went to um, to Shanghai and a few other cities that were nearby. Um, I enjoyed it. I had a, I have some family that were there anyway that have, that were actually Americans that moved abroad there for, for business purposes, and so got to spend some time with them as well. Um, and I, you know, similar to a lot of the way a lot of the MBA programs are working now, where we really kind of squeezed in a lot of time, you know, working with local business leaders and things like that. And so um, I thought it was great. I thought it was really interesting and. Um, just you know, to be honest with you, you know, I, so I'm of Chinese descent. And I'd never actually been to China before through the MBA program, so it kind of opened some doors for me to be able to, to try new things. Yeah, and so Tina, where did you go? 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) Romania and London was our focus. Um, But also, prior to coming to the Intersage Group, I did work for an international organization headquartered out of Zurich. Um, And just to kind of piggyback to what David was saying, um, it was the most uh, rewarding thing I think you could ever experience in in an educational setting because um, as a book that was written some years ago, that the world is flat. Um, It's extremely flat right now. And here within the United States, we're seeing more and more cultures and, and different people from different countries coming within our, our walls of the United States. And I think that the success of any organization is to be able to carry those relationships that we talk about within our organization with someone from Romania, from London, from Switzerland, from wherever that could be. And I know the focus within our program allowed for that. Yes, there was a the, the tactical uh, assignment side, but it was also to build the relationships and understand how they work as a country as compared to how we work and how you can work together successfully. So I think that's just huge for the future. Well, great. Well, knowing that uh, that this will eventually get to a podcast, would uh, both of you, I'd love to be able to hear your thoughts on recommendations of any books that have helped you in your career. Interesting. Wow. <laughs> um, Didn't mean to put you on the spot. I'll have to say, it's. I mean, know it's, it's kind of uh, the most popular book that, that comes up in meetings at our company, but we've put a lot of effort into speed of trust and not just coincidentally that it's the one that our company's focusing on. I mean, I really believe it too. I've, I've worked on a lot of organizations before that, um, that had huge trust issues, right. And and saw how tiring and how inefficient, um, and, and, and and all how costly it is to the company in terms of, you know, employee happiness and and turnover and, and, and all the issues associated with it. It's, it's a, it's a book that is in my mind in, in a lot of decisions at our company, even today. And that was really kind of our company's focus last year. Um, but I was actually just talking to our CEO today about some things that, you know, as we've gotten away from it, we've got to just keep remembering, you know, some of the main principles that, that we used to discuss. And we used to, uh, you know, we had, you know, company-wide trainings on that book, made it a standard that every, uh, employee that joined our company would read it and, wow. and discuss it <laughs> and to really try to ingrain it in the culture, not just as a, Hey, it's a one-time meeting. Let's talk about it. Right. We, um, we made it an emphasis every week and I think it really helped a lot. And, and I, I do think it's, you know, um, you know, we always have to kind of change it up and, and work on different ideas within the company, but it's one that I know will stay with me. Speed of trust. Now is that uh, Covey? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Very good. So Tina, what are your thoughts? Um, it's actually one of the first books I read in the Emma program, and you're going to laugh when I say this, but the five dysfunctions of a team. Mm. And, um, you know, our cultures in most organizations right now are really pushing toward that teaming culture. But the success of any team is not only the members, but a strong leader. And um, it was unique for me to open up that book and read it. And you kind of put yourself with a mirror in front of you going, wow, where do I fit into this um, as an employee? Where do, where do I fit in as a leader? How have I responded? And that was probably one of the most impactful books in the last probably 20 months that I've read. And carrying on to what David was said, yes, the speed of trust is a foundation of our organization. Uh, but just recently, that book has been passed around our office also because um, the continued success is not dependent upon on one, it's dependent upon all. So um, realizing what we need to do to in, engage as a successful team and as a successful organization is um, essential right now. Well, fantastic. I've, I've enjoyed the time we spent certainly today. Um, so give us a feel for how we can contact you, how anybody listening to our program can reach out to you, either website address and contact information. Sure. Well, our website address is www.theintersectgroup.com. And um, the common way to, to approach our company, if we haven't done business with you in the past, is uh, marketing at theintersectgroup.com is the email address. Um, and if you know, if we've got 
you know, a pretty sizable client base already. So, uh, you know, if you're out there and you're one of our clients, you know, definitely check in with your account manager and see how things are going. Now, what, if, they, if they're not familiar with you, what is a pain that they might be having that you typically solve? Like, what's your point of entry typically? I would say um, whether it's in finance or accounting, any kind of uh, consulting and staffing needs that, um, that where you need to uh, enhance your workforce, whether you're working on a special project or you've got just certain times of the month that you're busier than others and you need some help. Um, really, anything, any, anything involving um, inf- information technology and finance accounting resources, whether it's project-based or, or an individual person, um, that's where we come in. And that's theintersectgroup.com. Correct. Good stuff, Alvin. Yes, Lee, it's been a fantastic inaugural <laughs> debut uh, edition of the Global Leaders Radio. So thanks to you both, Tina Thank Simpson. You. Thank you. And also David Lee of the Intersect Group. Thank you very much for having us. Thank all you. All right. This is Lee Cantor for Alvin Miles. We will see you all next time. Mm-hmm.